1: Hello and welcome to the Square Ball Podcast 168 with Levi Solicitors. Ten percent off your legal fees when you mention the Square Ball. When you inquire, head to LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the Square Ball. I'm Dan Moylan. With me is Michael Normanton. Hello. And Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. Issue six of our fanzine will be along for the Bristol match. Issue five still available if you want to get hold of it. Guarantee both by getting yourself a half season subscription on our website. All the remaining issues are delivered to your house. And we've got loads of cool clothes and mugs for sale via the website. It's at thesquareball.net. Well, it's Tuesday morning now then, gents. Morning of the Brentford match. Things, as the kids might say, totes imosh, uh, after the game against Forest on Saturday. Uh, Moscow, you were quite zen about the whole thing. Michael, you were not. Has anything
2: changed then in the, in the intervening uh, couple of days? I'm enjoying today. I'm just enjoying being second for one last time. One last, one last, one last day in the automatic promotion places well hours now just hours to go (laughs) counting down
1: yeah we've we've fucked it well you said we haven't fucked it moscow and i'm i'm actually from a position of i tend to swing from one side to the other but today i've i've gone to a quite a zen position i think i think because i'm at that stage of grief it's acceptance is that the stage of grief you're at where where you think "This, this this is beyond my control and i need to move past it because it's it's disrupting my life there's nothing to grieve over I know, I know that, but that's the only equivalent I
2: can think of. We can grieve, the, we can grieve those thirteen points we once are clear.
3: Yeah,
2: we might win them back. We could still go up. We're second. You're, what's like, the most... you're like one of these people who, who've been a millionaire and then gone bust, and you're like, "It's all right, I'll get it back."
3: <laughs> well, no, because we've still got it. We've still got second place. And I think what's the most likely thing that happens to a team that's in second place is probably that they end there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's harder to uh, to change than not. Yeah, I'm still so reasonably relaxed like went home Saturday Ionopolis by Glenn James Brown that's a good book so I've read i read the rest of that There's, well, what's uh, that about people from Teesside might know the legend of, uh, of Peg Powler who is a witch who lives in the pipes and if you've been bad she'll come up through the toilet and she'll take you down into the pipes with her forever that seems like a bigger thing to worry about than, uh, than Leeds losing to Nottingham Forest. Is so. that why
2: David Hague had the cameras installed? Was he, was he
3: worried about that? It could well be, yeah, making sure that Peg Powell didn't come up through the pipes. Seems like a sensible move to me. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I, 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 just, I think we're going
1: up. I mean, I do, despite everything, and I said it on Saturday, uh, despite swinging wildly from one side to the other, despite you know, the, the anxiety, despite the, the crisis of confidence, I still think we
3: will go up, I do. The thing with the Forest game is that we've been saying for about six weeks that every game that we've lost, we've played well. You know, we, that we've played well enough to win, but we've not got the result. This is the first game where we actually played badly. And you can see, we talked about some of the reasons for it. Ben White is not a midfielder. Um, we missed Ben White at the back, so we're kind of two players down from that. We've got Kevin Legrand is is getting ready to come in and make the difference that we we need him to make in attack. But that was the first game I can remember. I can't remember the last time we played that badly or the last time we came out of watching a Leeds game and thought, God, they were shit today, as they were against Forest. So if we have one really bad match in every 30, we should probably do all right out of that Mm. kind of
2: um, average.
1: You are right. If if you strip all the emotion out of it, you are. I think that's the problem is is that we can't
2: strip the emotion out. And we can't strip out a goalkeeper who lets in every shot that he faces and a striker who never scores.
3: Yeah, we've got options there, though. We have another goalkeeper and it does sound like that decision is going to be taken out of Bielsa's hands sooner or later. I think they're talking about having the uh, the hearing this month. So it's, it almost sounds like the last 12 games of the season will be Messi, what, A.
2: What if he's innocent?
1: <laughs> yes, what if? I mean, um, is anybody really... I mean, from a moral standpoint, you want you want him to have not done it, but... Yeah, everyone at this point tragically is
3: thinking, well, <laughs> if he has, so we'll have the other keeper for a lot of games, uh, whether that's a good idea or not. So it's going to happen at some point, and then Augustine, we know what the the story is there that they're trying to train him up to uh, being useful. How long did he have in this match? It was about twenty minutes, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. So he's he's at the twenty minutes stage. It's not going to be weeks and months before he's ready to start and. I don't think how excited we were about him when we were looking at him on like the the social media video that was getting... Look, he, he's, he's got in a posh Uber and he, he came on a plane and he, he went to a hotel. Look how exciting this all is. I don't think that should have been lost in the last two weeks of him getting ready to play. I don't think there's any reason not to think he could still score the goals to take us up. And form changes, doesn't it? Results change. You said that last week. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I think, um, just returning to Saturday, that was
1: mildly concerning to say the least, was that post-match interview that's done the rounds with Luke Ayling. He said the first goal killed us, and you know you've said we played badly on Saturday, but as we mentioned in the match ball, we played all right in the early stages of that. We were knocking it around quite nicely, and then that goal's gone in and just
2: knackered us. He did seem bereft. He seemed, you know, if you've chatted to a mate whose long-term girlfriend's just left him, he had that sort of a vibe. Like it was going so well, and then I don't know. I just uh, I don't know what I'm going to do now. It's just, she's gone. She's with him. Didn't see it coming. I thought I thought we'd be together forever, but we're not. We're, we're third. She's moved to Nottingham. Oh God, things change though, don't they? Footballers are like like all of us. You know, we were we were all buzzing after that Millwall game, weren't we? Mm. Something can turn it around. I was looking back actually, trying to find some crumb of comfort and the 17th of Feb 2009 is that 2-0 defeat at Hereford that people said was well it was one of the many points that people said was a low point because there were, there were many in that sort of an era weren't there when you had to be like no this is definitely the worst and a week had passed and you say no this is the worst mm. but after that we didn't lose again until the 13th of April.
1: The thing is as well, it feels like the misery gets compounded and the challenge gets greater every single time we, we drop points. But actually it doesn't, does it? No. Because if, if we win tonight against Brentford, suddenly the world's going to look glorious again. It's, mm. it's just fine margins, just like so swinging from one extreme to the other.
3: Yeah, the, it's annoying that the 11-point gap didn't become the 13-point gap that it should have done and that then now it's gone. But even if we still had an 11-point gap to third, we wouldn't be up. I like it would, we'd still be trying to get promoted and we could still lose it from there. Nothing is settled at this point. And looking back at the last time we were promoted from 2009, 10, from this point, I mean, we were awful. How many we games were, did yeah. we win in January? We beat, so there's one, two, three, four, five. F- uh, can't count the JPT. Not many. Not many until it came down. And we still went up. It's it's football. Like loads of stuff can happen. And just because it collapsed last season doesn't mean it's gonna collapse this. Just because we lost on Saturday doesn't mean we're gonna lose on Tuesday. You you kick off again and one of the um the things to hope for from Nottingham Forest is that it was that bad and Luke Haling was that upset that I hope Monday, Sunday was spent with everyone going. Let's just not be that shit again. Let's fucking sort this out.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, the other thing is bottom,
3: ta- bounce back.
1: The other thing to take from that is something positive that Ailing said. He said, "Okay, you know the gap's gone, so now we're on a level playing field again. We just start again."
3: Yeah, we've got to outscore the other teams over the remaining fifteen matches, and if you think it's not very long since we went fifteen games unbeaten. And we won seven in a row of those. It's the same team, same players. So, you know, this argument that every man jack of them is a shit bastard who can't play football. It's not true. It's just Kiko. It's just, <laughs> key, just Kiko. That he's gone from being the best shot stopper in the division to the worst. And we've got another goalkeeper. And he, you know, somebody might get a grip of him. Somebody might say, what, what the hell is wrong with you? Why aren't you saving shots at your near post that are absolutely simple?
2: The form table is terrifying, though. It is. When you look at the last 10 games and only Luton and QPR have managed to get a few points and QPR actually did beat us within that that run as well. And also the games we have won in there have been games where we've conceded loads of goals which is slightly worrying because it felt like earlier in the season we were just a machine churning out nice routine 2-0 wins.
1: Maybe that's what it needs then just to get us back on track even if it's not tonight against Brentford if we could just basically try and get a a routine 1-0 or a Mm. 2-1 or something. Maybe if that's what we can look forward to on Saturday against Bristol back at home and get something sensible going on again I don't know I mean it was, you know um, our friend the beaten generation who goes by the twitter handle Violet White, uh, Violet White now he sent me video footage of Kiko's one cap for Spain have you seen this no because people have said how can this guy have been capped for Spain so the context is they're playing against Germany in 2014 and he comes on just for the final 14 minutes to get his solitary cap for Spain. Concedes the only goal of the game, and it's it's, it's typical Kiko. Look it up on YouTube. Okay, uh, Germany-Spain, 1-0, 2014. And uh, he dives down,
2: a ball that bounces just in front of him, dives down, straight past him. Has <laughs> is, is anyone actually seen him do any good goalkeeping? We have. It was, it was fairly good earlier in the season. It was nothing that made me think he was, would, should have ever been signed by Real Madrid or played for Spain.
1: It's just weird, isn't it? It's kind of... Um... You think somebody who's so experienced would just have that self-assurance and that confidence. Like, mm. I've got this, lads, it's fine, don't worry. And yet, you shit yourself every time now that he's, he's facing a shot.
2: Or at least have the ability to overcome when he makes a mistake. Because all goalkeepers make mistakes. We've we've talked about this before when trying to make excuses for countless bad goalkeepers over the years. You're kind of like, Nigel Martin used to make mistakes sometimes, mm. and, it, and it's fine. But he also used to turn up at the next game and be brilliant.
3: Yeah, there's something... I'd... <laughs> I wrote about the other week, and I don't know if I'm right, but I feel like top level goalkeeping has changed. In that, you know, if Aguero or Harry Kane shoots at you, to the ability that they've got, there's no expectation that you're going to save it. And the game is so tilted in favour of attacking now. If you look at what you're allowed to do in the box with the handballs and penalties and stuff, it's all about goals and, and goalkeepers are kind of like unless they're passing the ball with the feet, they're almost expected to stand and watch strikers be brilliant it's all you know if Mo Salah misses a a chance it's on him rather than uh, Dean Henderson being Mm. uh, the second coming of Lev Yashin or something so it is weird because Kiko Kassir is our one legitimate Champions League trained player like you do not really get a higher level of conditioning training practice instruction than Real Madrid whether you're in the first team or in the, or on the bench um they prepared him for every single game Real Madrid played for for 4 years or 5 years or however long he was there to be their number one goalkeeper because if something happened to their number one he would be and then he comes to Leeds and we're all convinced he's our worst player and it, there's something there that don't quite add up it does doesn't it? add up and it, it can't just be that he's rubbish but it can't also be that we're wrong because we're looking at him and we know he should have saved that shot on Saturday. We know he should be catching corners better than he does. We know he should be commanding his area. We know he shouldn't be rushing out of his goal like a dickhead. But there's something, it's it's almost like the uh, the first half at Arsenal where because we had all the space that we don't get in the championship, we suddenly look like one of the best teams in the Premier League that we're playing a game that works really well at the at the higher levels but the championship is fucked
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it is yeah what did go wrong on Saturday then because uh, it feels like we can't almost we can't look at this game in isolation because I was saying everybody's compounding all the misery and the angst to become one big confusing mess but is it too many square pegs in round holes is it just missing Calvin Pablo off form Kiko what is it
2: the individual areas we've we have pretty much covered the Kiko shouldn't be letting that in and then it's nil-nil and you still have a chance to win the last goal as well which I know we were chasing a game so it almost doesn't matter but that is an individual error as well from from Harrison it just wasn't really working on Saturday and it's rare we say that but we didn't have the I thought Bamford didn't play well but he didn't play well in that he wasn't involved at all whereas normally we're in here saying he was in the box hitting Mm. it over the bar from six yards he wasn't even in the box hitting it over from six yards because the crosses weren't reaching him and I think in that first half he only had a dozen touches or something so there was nothing really he could do I didn't think but then maybe that's his job to sometimes try to do something else
3: Yeah he, there was I think I was saying it on Saturday I think Ben White in particular just wasn't the player we needed in in that position there was a sequence in the second half when he tried to play a through ball to Helder Costa and just absolutely banged it past him over the goal line and then about a minute later he tried to play the ball out wide to the other wing to Harrison and he just absolutely banged it past him and it went out for a throw in if that had been Calvin Phillips there he plays that through ball right he gets that ball to Jack Harrison um, and so much goes through that position normally it's absolutely crucial in a Bielsa team that you have a player there who can pass basically and Ben White can but he can pass from centre back and that's where he he needs to be... Yeah. Um, From centre-back
1: to Calvin Phillips.
3: Yeah. More um, often than not. Or even... I mean, it's almost like... I don't know if it's because of uh, how hard he was kicking the ball. He still thought he was 20 yards back. But <laughs> it's like he was kicking the ball 20 yards ahead of Helder Costa. So, I don't know, simple things like that. But
1: there's the truth in it. If but, you think about how the centre-backs play at Leeds, you either spread it across and go side to side to the full backs or you come through and you give it to the deep line midfielder which is Calvin so your jobs are but basically three pass it sideways pass it backwards or pass it to Calvin or you have
3: that Liam Cooper long diagonal as well because part of the the whole concept is you know you're supposed to look how far forward you can get this ball with one pass and if it's all the way to Pat Bamford in the penalty area then you play that ball and then if it's not, if it might be to Pablo Hernandez is behind him then it's to Clickers behind him or to Phillips and then if none of those you can't get through, you go sideways to see if if moving the, the opposition opens you up the angle to go forward. And yeah, just having him there. Phillips has become so good at passing long, at passing short, at knowing what ball to play, at winning the ball back, that t- removing a player of that quality... For three games, we might have got on away with it for a couple, as we did against Tildes Field when Ben White filled in. But, um, but it really, yeah, Calvin, keep fit, don't get suspended.
1: First sort of um, indications of people tiring of Bielsa have emerged over the weekend, rightly or wrongly. And I think this is probably born out of him saying the same things afterwards, like he takes responsibility. And you know why he's doing it. Um, I'm, I'm absolutely sure he could point some individual fingers for some of the things that have gone wrong over the recent weeks but he refuses to do it because it's part of his his ethic is to uh, take the, that responsibility on his shoulders and you win and lose as a group but people sort of making those noises oh, I'm sick of hearing it now
2: I'd rather he did that than the Gary Monk approach which is just to come out in the press pointing fingers at everyone but him I, I'm sure behind closed doors he is saying to Kiko could you just stop being <laughs> quite so shit please uh, we paid a lot of money for you I keep playing you and uh, you keep letting them in so maybe just maybe maybe stop that mm. Although if, if the translation of anything, of the press conference was anything to go by, who knows what is, uh, what is actually being communicated.
3: Well, Bielsa be can speak to Kiko in Spanish, I think. So that's true enough. that's probably that <laughs> that advantage. And one of his um, uh, techniques, I don't know if he'll still do it, but uh, a player from years ago, it might have been Newell's era or something, was sent a video through of his uh, of all his mistakes and had to sit and watch everything he'd done wrong in all the games that season. And was like, God, this is... Terrible, And then a caption comes up on the screen and says, that's not you. And then it's all the good things he did came after that. I said, this is you. This is how you play. So don't do the, the bad stuff, do the good stuff. And said that it was great. It was just, it was a, it was a room, like it put everything out of like, no, this is, this is how good I can be. Why, why do I make these mistakes? Why do I do these things wrong when I can do these things so well? So he has got these these techniques in his uh, in his locker and ways of getting through uh with individual players of of what they need to do. I think the uh the struggle a little bit might be time because you know, when you play Saturday tea time and then you're playing again Tuesday evening, there's not a lot of room in there to do any training, especially with the travel coming back from Nottingham going to they'll be travelling down to Brentford now as we're talking and all that. So we've basically had Sunday, Monday to try and sort a lot of things out. But I wouldn't say I was bored of him and I don't yeah he's not going to leave I mean it's the best thing
1: to have happened to the club in a generation so these calls for Sam Allardyce that have taken place on UK radio
3: this morning it's absolute insanity why it? would you sack anybody when you're second in the table it's even if the form table is it's ridiculous is bad we laugh at, at Derby for doing it didn't they sack who did they sack for not playing the, the Derby way when they were in the playoff positions and then they got somebody else in and sank like a stone and it bring Steve McLaren back and it was terrible and that was mockery, and we were. It's it's not two weeks since we were all laughing at scum for behaving like absolute spoiled children with flares outside the Woodward's house, saying, "Oh!" No. And I look, they're six points off the Champions League places, and they've got eighty million pound defender, and they came across like spoiled, entitled brats. And I feel like elements of of our online support at least is edging towards that as well, where if you can't be happy to be in second place, then what the fuck are you even watching football for? Like, this this is good. Like, if you can't take some kind of excitement out of the fact that we are actually fighting for promotion as it stands now, this is what it's all about. This is better than finishing 15th ever For 10 years watching Leeds, we'd be getting to mid-February. What would we even be talking about? Saying, well, we're just going to finish mid-table again, aren't we? what do you think we'll do next season? Should we have another manager next season? Should we just get rid of some players? We wouldn't even be bothered about what we're doing against Brentford on a Tuesday night because it would be absolutely irrelevant. Whereas tonight, it will be relevant. And that's so, good. Let me just check. This, so this is good? This is good.
2: It hasn't... I mean, let's... It's <laughs> second in, the, I know, in the division. You've got if to we, make some allowances for the fact we have thrown away an enormous lead. And the people yeah. people are understandable to But in terms of... Like we're in for Bielsa this season, aren't we? It's it's his season, let him finish it. I mean, Christ, if we did bring Allardyce in now, think how confused the players would be. All of a sudden, you'd you'd be trying to play, turn Patrick Bamford into Kevin Davis all of a sudden. Big Kev, hit him, (laughs) head. So maybe that'd uh, that'd attract Allardyce, actually, having having a striker called Big Kev. That might be enough to, to, to seal the deal. But yeah, we're in for this style of play and this sort of madness for this season. So th- let's just see how it goes. I we can think, we can try our dice next year if this goes wrong.
1: And I think that is at the root of why I feel a little bit more zen now, because it's Bielsa's season. And we knew when we got him, this is what we were getting. Not necessarily dropping the points, but the refusal to rotate the small squad, so on and so forth. It's what you get with Bielsa, isn't it? And I'd rather have it than not. <laughs> whether it's for you personally then or your business you can support us by getting in touch with Levi solicitors if you need legal services and you'll get 10% off your fees for going through us, uh, they do employment law, wills, probate, conveyancing too so if you're moving house this year then contact their top draw conveyancing team you can get an instant quote on the website so you're informed before the for sale sign goes up and remember there's a 10% discount to knock off your quote on the website because you're a square baller uh, so whether it's conveyancing, any other personal or legal commercial needs get in touch, levisolicitors.co.uk for Forward slash the square ball. And on the topic of the online wailing and gnashing of teeth, let's talk about Andrea Radrazzani and his tweets and how helpful or unhelpful you might consider them to be. I consider them unhelpful, the end. Yes. So why though? It's not what he's saying so much as his timing
2: and the fact that he's saying it. He's kind of saying some of the same things as we've just been saying.
3: Yeah, and as Tony Dorigo was saying last week, who we ended up retweeting with his sarcastic clapping and stuff, the, the content isn't actually you know, everybody should stick together and uh, and try and go for promotion
2: but just doesn't come off well from but, the,
1: but the difference is we're, we're doing something here like that people will choose to listen to and might agree with us or might disagree with us that feels like coming from the club owner, It there's a degree of telling you how to support and I think if we know one thing is you can't tell Leeds fans what to do and you can't throw a blanket over Leeds fans and make them all do one thing um, and it's just nat- in the
3: natural sort of characteristics to go, you can't tell me what to do, mate. Yeah, I think that's the um, the difference when he, he says, one thing frustrates me more than any defeats. I've been a fan like you, travelling and support my team since I was a student and no money. How can't you support a team club that have reached the best result of the last 16 years? Those are valid questions, and I suppose the context for this is he probably does have his mentions are probably on Saturday night. A horror show? Yeah. Well, <laughs> hundreds of people calling him um, a shit wanker and telling him to fuck off back to Italy. And it does take some uh, considerable strength to not look at all that and think, I'm going to say something back about all this. But also, there's a moment to judge the mood. And I don't know if it's uh, language troubles or if it's, you know, we saw him in his private jet with a, a bottle of whiskey, whether it is the way he unwinds on a Saturday night, and then thinks, "Oh, actually, I am going to go on Twitter now." Plays into it, but there, is, there is a way of of doing it if you're in that position, which is to wait until Sunday morning and you say, "I, I see all the anger on on Twitter, and I understand uh, why you're upset with results, but I, I think now you know the team needs you all more than ever." And even if what you actually want to say is, "I wish you wankers would all stop calling me a wanker," just lie. You know, it's it's one of the... the PR, it's called PR. It is. If you're in that position and you want to put these put out positive messages, think about it very carefully and then say the blandest thing possible. Otherwise, it will end up with that thing where he's saying it. Uh, um, and it was... Um,
1: well, I mean, uh, just to pick you up on that, you're absolutely right. And we take the piss out of Gary Monk for being the Monk bot. Mm. But his outpourings are carefully constructed PR tweets. And he says the things that he says with the, the club hashtag changes from club to club, but it's basically the same message everywhere that he goes. And we laugh at it, but that's how you do PR, because you say nothing.
3: Yeah, it, rather than, it's pointless to try and keep everyone together here on Twitter um, and remark the good things we achieved in where we stand. It's just a platform for haters enjoy. Happy to meet you face to face at the end of the season, which was not, was not actually the fight people thought he was calling out for.
2: Unless he's going to fight um, Lee Johnson. I think he might be in a bit of a little bit of trouble because he's not... I mean, from the Amazon documentary, he didn't even look very big, so...
3: No, he's he's not the tallest.
2: And Leeds fans, I don't know if you've seen any of them, but some some of them work quite hard. Yes. <laughs> not um. us three, admittedly, but... <laughs> I think some of his tweets as well, the first one when he was saying, oh, you know, I, I'm just like you, because he's like, I used to have no money, you know, like mm. all you. It's a bit condescending in the first place. And also, is he a Juventus fan? Like, they've pretty much been... They're the, top they're, of the the, league. they're the Man United of Italy. he's yeah, yeah. like, oh, there was the brief period when we were relegated because we bribed a lot of referees. But, you know, that aside, it's been more or less wall-to-wall success for Juventus in, it's throughout his entire life.
3: And you just also, as well, I mean, he does have a very good point that Twitter is a platform for haters. And if you're looking at a timeline of, of people saying that they hate you, you have to take into account your current status Tony DiRigo won the league for Leeds United, so if he comes out and says, I think Leeds fans need to calm down, stick together, stop tweeting at people and being angry, people are going to be like, oh, Tony DiRigo won the league, you know, and he's, he's, a, he's a good guy. Whereas if everybody's angry at you, you could come out and say, right, everybody's getting a free kitten. Said, so, ah, oh, fuck your fucking free kittens, you shit bastard. Don't want a fucking free kitten. Wanted three points today. Why haven't we signed a striker? It's just, there is no, there's nothing you can say in those situations. And so, Saying nothing is the best is, yeah, is yeah. the best policy. Um, I mean, I
1: think that's the thing: is people go, "Well, he's got the right to reply," because this is one of the two arguments that follows: is that he's got the right to reply. He has, but the objection to it is not that he's got the right to reply; it's that he replies, and what then flows from it. And there, is, there does have to be then
3: a question as to you know why people feel the need to spend Saturday night tweeting angrily at somebody, and then if he does actually reply in mm-hmm. kind, oh my god, I
2: can't believe he's tweeted angrily at people. It's like, Well you were doing it, so he can do it. You know, that it is... It works on both sides. Some some arguments are, are just best left for the next day when yeah. everyone has calmed down a bit. It's like you were saying the other week about tweets sent within half an hour of a match finished or whatever. Mm. They're always bad mm. after a defeat and, and when things are bad in general, probably all of Saturday. But that's the thing as well. Like, I
1: mean, from the square ball account, like after we lost on Saturday, because everyone's so upset, you just sort of pull back from it a little bit. And the example I give is as well as basic media and PR stuff. Like, The club's official account didn't tweet anything from full time on Saturday until noon on Sunday. That was the first thing they put was noon on Sunday because they know anything they put will meet with a bad reaction. It's about timing. It's not about the fact that you're saying stuff. It's just the fact that everyone's upset, but once everybody's slept on it, everyone's
3: calmed down a little bit more and it's fine to then start putting things out. There's an advance to this. I'm going to skip ahead in our thing here to... the conversation about Leeds needing a sports psychologist, which has been something a lot of people have been saying, and you saw it with Luke Ayling, and you're thinking, why does that player look under so much pressure? And should we get somebody in? And Graham Smith interviewed uh, Gary Bloom, who is clinical sports psychotherapist at Oxford United, um, who, unsurprisingly, did think that. Um, if he was employed at Leeds. He is a Leeds fan, and, but he basically said, yeah, they they should employ somebody like me. The expectations of the fans mixed with the disappointment of the fans is quite a toxic mix. Imagine all the pressure without the success. And I can't think of any elite organisation paying uh, that sort of money to their employees who wouldn't say we need someone like a, a sports psychologist. And I've been thinking about this and I do, it's probably true that it's, it's useful for players to have that, but it also feels a little bit like all the The stuff about, Anne Helen Peterson writes a lot about burnout um, and millennial burnout. And I wrote about last season, what she'd been saying about it related to the whole Bielsa thing. And the fact that there's now this industry around, like, if you are burnt out. Who's the writer, sorry? Anne Helen Peterson. If you are burnt out, you can go to um, Gwyneth Paltrow will sell you a $100 candle that will solve all your problems but it won't solve all your problems because if if it did then you wouldn't need a hundred dollar candle and there's an there's an element of bringing in a a sports psychologist to help them deal with this pressure why not just reduce the pressure what if they would under less pressure what if they did you know if we didn't have to bring in a sports psychologist because hundreds of people weren't tweeting them on saturday night calling them shit that might actually be just as beneficial as not bringing in somebody to Help them cope with hundreds of people calling them
2: shit. And it, I mean, it's if we had a sports psychologist who was on Twitter as well, <laughs> he would he himself would have loads of people. Why haven't you fucking sorted this calling out? Calling him a shit bastard. So then he'd probably have a crisis of confidence, which would then transmit to the players. I was I was
3: thinking uh, relates to that. I was thinking about you remember Johnny Vio.
2: Yes, set we peak, set we piece would
3: coach. love a set piece coach now, wouldn't we? There's <laughs> nothing anybody wants more than a set piece coach. But that became a
2: joke, didn't it? People it was like, absolutely the oh, worst oh, idea anybody. Bloody does. hell, We've got a set piece coach, and it's it's
3: it's something massive and structural in football. Because the other aspect of it is when you're talking about promotion, why are the players under so much pressure to to win promotion? There's the pressure from us, the fans who who want it, and then I've sort of written in the YEP today, like questioning why we want? What's so good about promotion? It means, oh great, I won't be able to actually afford to watch Leeds anymore because the tickets will be too expensive. And VAR... No, no tickets on the gantry? No tickets. I, I didn't say it. And then, uh, and VAR fucking ruins it anyway and it's, the whole experience will be sanitised. So basically the football that we love will be ruined by this thing that we're having breakdowns about in February because it might not happen. But then there's also, there's the, there's the other side of the Premier League which is that Hundreds of millions of pounds are at stake on this. You know, Andrea Rattrizani, we may, may mock him for being potless, but the, the difference to whatever takeover deal or whatever money he's put into the club is enormous financially. So if you think, you know, fucking Andrea Rattrizani doesn't care, even if it's just about how much money he's going to have in the bank in June, that will have to be bothering him. Players on... Promotion bonuses, salary increases. There's millions of pounds at stake. It's no wonder Luke Ayling came out of it on Saturday night and looking as if his not only had his girlfriend left him, but she was haunting him in the pipes like his girlfriend was fucking Peg Power. And they're supposed to be getting married this summer as well. Poor thing. Yeah, and that he's he's faced up to uh, Kyle Bartley being his best man and being a Premier League defender, and he's not. <laughs> and you know, maybe. What's the budget for the wedding if he's a Premier League player and what is it if he's not? So, so much going on. And yeah, you can bring in a, a sports psychotherapist to deal with it all or maybe just look at football and go, football, football's fucking mental. And, and why is it so mental? And is there a way that maybe reacting to a result on February the, what was it, 9th, 8th? It's the 11th today. As if everything has fallen apart and it's a disaster when there's still, you know, the season runs until May. I don't know. I think everybody could relax and it might help. I want to look back on this season because I was thinking about why I'm so relaxed about it. I think we're going up and when we do go up I want to look back on this season as a a time that I enjoyed and that it was good that, you know, Leeds were playing exciting football at the top of the at the top of the division trying to go for a promotion and it got quite tense but that's sport isn't it you know what would uh, what would Leeds night be like if we hadn't had Bournemouth when it went to the last day and, we, and Chapman scored to to go up and if we hadn't had Bristol Rovers and Beckford scored on the last day to get us up that's what happens in football and that's why it's fucking brilliant and also I don't want the uh, the open top bus to be pulling into Millennium Square with the, the trophy and to be sat there thinking there they are all the shit that I hate wankers <laughs> When it just, it seems like it could all be an absolutely pointless spunking of futile energy when we might actually still go up and it'll be fine. Yeah. So there'll be plenty of time to be angry about it in the summer. And then if we don't go up, there'll still be another season will start next August. Enter Salem Lamrani
1: with his timely... He uh, gets it. ...timely graphic. And, and the line that struck a chord with me was, support the lads because they need it and they deserve it. I know them and I can tell you they are good men. And they, I think they are. That's the problem. <laughs> Except Keiko. <Kassier.
3: laughs> uh, Bielsa said something about that the week that he has a, um, a squad of brilliant human beings or something like that. And uh, and they are and and uh, Keiko and Kiko Casilla and Keiko apart, they've been together quite a long time. I think some people that's you know familiarity makes uh, breeds contempt where William Cooper might be concerned, but also it's a good thing that. These players have been. Um, Don't we want a squad, of, Bast- a have a squad of bastards? Well, it would be easier to to get angry with them, but it is kind of like, I would like this lot to go up because they, they seem decent.
2: It's a very niche. Chico, Getting a bastard is a, a mixed bag, though, isn't it? Because sometimes you get a Vinnie Jones bastard and sometimes you get a Belushi bastard. Yeah.
3: Do we and want Michael Brown in midfield? And the two, the two are solution?
2: very different, Very give you very different outcomes. The tension not helped, though, by what we saw
1: in the press conference yesterday and poor old Diego Flores, who is Bielsa's translator, but is, seems to, he seems to be bearing the brunt for a ramping up of the tension because there was a slight miscommunication. Wasn't it a mistranslation? It was just a miscommunication yesterday that ramped things up to new highs. It got Bielsa, Techy, the journalists were explaining themselves. So for the benefit, if you haven't watched the press conference, to all intents and purposes, Bielsa was talking about John Kevin Augustan and saying that when players come in... They sometimes go backwards before they go forwards, and that's why was that was Mm -hmm. that was the extent of it, wasn't
3: it? Training is difficult getting him up to the speed that we want, and sometimes you take backwards steps, sometimes forwards because they'll be increasing the level of training that he has to do. So it will become more difficult as he gets stronger. It will become more difficult, and increasing um, his difficulties was the phrase. Well, that was the phrase. So Flores
1: said increasing his difficulties, and I think it was the Sky Sports journalist, wasn't it, who said. Sorry, could you just clarify? And it was basically asking, are you saying he's gone backwards since he joined? That's what he just wanted clarity yeah. on. But Bielsa took this as a, well, you're taking the piss out of me for giving 20-minute answers, but here you are asking me the same question again about why is Augustan not playing? And he wasn't. It wasn't intended
2: that way, was it? But it just kind of got lost through Flores. As um, as a, someone who doesn't speak Spanish, and I think probably all of us, we're just going, no. Yeah, no, yeah. He, it he didn't mean that. Yeah. He didn't. No, he didn't mean that. He didn't mean that. Just like let's just stop, stop, yeah. stop. It's fine. Just everyone calm yeah. down. Move. Just do another question.
3: It was a question for the translator, really, wasn't it? But I don't think Diego Flores feels because he's not a translator, <laughs> like that he's empowered to uh, to just deal with that one. If it had been uh, Phil Dickinson. Uh, who did the big Kevin press conference and did Bielsa's first? He would have said, "Oh yeah, what he means is as this," and probably would, would then have explained to Marcelo, But um, Diego just put it back to Bielsa, and he he came back with, "You are all laughing at my long explanations, and now you want another long explanation."
1: Yeah, I will got a wee that. Bit. I already gave you. It got a wee bit uncomfortable when you think what's at stake and all the anxiety surrounding this promotion, all the stuff we just spoke about. You kind of think, Don- "Don't, don't." poke the bear with a stick we don't, we don't want
2: to it any, was just upset. loads of aggro that wasn't necessary in the room and for all the people watching I felt I felt awkward watching it yeah. I was I felt bad for felt bad for Bielsa for for thinking people were taking the piss mm. of him. I thought bad for the journalist who'd asked a question he had to ask because he'd been told that he'd got worse. And then I felt bad for Flores, who's trying to hold the whole thing together. And
1: then you've got, you've got Paul Graham Smith, whose Northern Irish accent doesn't cut through. So he's having to put on a posh telephone voice so Flores can understand him. Uh, and yeah, bring it, bring in a proper translator
3: and let Flores coach players. And I have noticed that um, last week when Bielsa went on for an hour and then this week again they've stopped asking him about Adam Forshaw because I don't think anybody dares there was no injury news out of the hour-long press conference last Thursday because I think by the time it came to um, whoever had kind of been delegated so like oh, you're going to ask him about injuries this week aren't you oh, yeah okay it had just got to the point where it's like I think I think we'll just wait and see what the team is on yeah. Saturday.
1: Because yeah. this, this is the first one where I thought, "You bloody cowards!" Because nobody nobody piled in and said, "Are oh, you going to drop Kiko Casilla yeah. because he's
3: shit?" That was the other question that yeah. didn't get asked. Did. And it's funny, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you kind of get it as well. You know why, don't you? The one of his Bielsa's points on Thursday in the hour long was, "It's like you never debate me in this. Like you never come back to me and say." we think your ideas are wrong. You just sort of sit and smile and say, oh,
2: It was Bielsa's very one, Ronnie Pickering moment, though, wasn't it? That It was him offering people outside for a, for a bare knuckle. But then he says, "But well, what you do is you, you sit
3: here and say, oh, yes, Marcelo, we understand. And then you go and write things in the papers that say I'm wrong. So why don't you, you know, say it to me now. Let's have a, a, a conversation about it and I can... Because you're terrifying,
1: Marcel. you
3: <laughs> yeah. terrify me. But you're, you're so intense, I'm scared of you. That's why. I mean, he did once, who knows if the story's apocryphal, but chasing um, angry supporters away from uh, his house with a, a hand grenade <laughs> in his hand, which... When we do talk about the pressure that he's under at Leeds, I don't know if anybody is like going in an angry mob to whether be and engaging him in armed combat. We've not quite got to that stage yet. So, and that was at Newell's Old Boys, who absolutely loved him um, and ended up building uh, naming the stadium after him. So, yeah, he. I do wonder how much. Um, because he looks he does look like he's under pressure. And that the one quote from last Thursday was like, I do not feel I'm under pressure and I do not think I'm showing tension. <laughs> but then also If you say so, Mr. Bielsa. I'm fine, mate. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> but then you think what he has been Just calm down, will you? I'm fine. Where where he has been to, where he has been chasing fans with a hand grenade and, and the whole, you know, being manager of Argentina and fucking it up and having the entire hopes of Chile resting on his, his shoulders, not just in football terms, but, you know, politically, culturally, everything. He's been through it. And that's almost, it's an argument. I don't think he'll break. I think he'll bend. But when uh, when he does say that he's not feeling tension, maybe he just, uh, he has a, a higher bar. Although, again, I suppose contradicting myself, but um, uh, Mr. Gimeni on Twitter, who translates brilliantly the... Uh, uh, video clips and press conferences from um, Marcel Bielsa's past and puts some on Twitter and YouTube. Did you see the story from his two ex-Chili players when they'd lost...
2: And laying a, naked on a stretch. Yeah, thing. they'd lost, lost <laughs> Walked the into, a little,
3: or, into a little side room. Yeah, and found him on the physio's bench lying naked and apparently just lay there for about half an hour suffering. <laughs> um, he was asked how he copes with pressure. To be pressure. honest, that's he, me after most Leeds defeats, that. He was asked how he copes with pressure yesterday and he said that is a private matter. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. If it is, uh, the I mean, night- what what problems can't be solved by getting naked? There's a question for the, you. The night after a defeat, if anybody does want to go around to his flat and weather being and taken out with him, just bear in mind he's going to come to the door naked with a hand, hand grenade, <laughs> and uh, and he will still be calmer than you are, just <laughs> just wearing his uh, his branded Kappa socks. <laughs> It's an enduring image, isn't it? Yeah,
1: it is quite the um, under twenty three is in decent form as well. They uh, beat Bolton four one to Derby. It beat Bolton four
2: one though. Oh, we yeah, didn't we mention didn't. we didn't mention from the press conference as well that Tyler Roberts isn't properly broken. He just, just a kick. got a kick, a big kick. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but I was going to just segue into the Youth Cup as well. Although we lost to those lot over the hills. Oh, by the way, we are looking back on the um, the nineteen ninety three Youth Cup final in the extra ball this week as well, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, good to see the Leeds fans over there in fine form. A little bit mean to some of these millionaire children <laughs> trotting around on the pitch to
2: Old Trafford. I mean, it, it was nice. I thought to hear, hear them being baited and booed. Their every they every touch encouraging the youngsters. There seems to be one um, one lad who was getting the brunt of it. It was their their star player because yeah. he's got he's basically got big hair, so he stands out. So he's
3: Hannibal Oh, Also, it's called Hannibal. <laughs> and how much he cost does tell you. Like the big differences between where we are and where the Premier League is signed uh, for five million pound euros when he was fifteen. No, when he was sixteen. Sorry, he's seventeen now. That's insane. Rising to ten million uh, based on appearances and, and what he does, and we're all like. You know, why didn't Timon Luskov, why hasn't he torn up the division yet? Well, because he came on a free from Barcelona B. And yeah, the real talent is probably the ones that are being bought and sold um, out of schools for 10 million euros.
1: What we're saying is Manchester United
3: traffic children, is that it? Well, that's proof. Yeah, all all Premier League clubs did. I
2: did enjoy, um well, I mean, the Scum Keep being linked with, Jack Grealish, don't they? But from what we saw of this lad, he's he's more than capable of <laughs> I, running through midfield and falling over. I hope that when Villa get relegated,
1: that they that Man United drop fifty million on Jack Grealish because he's not that good. They can probably
2: do. They could get more out of him for than that. Yeah. If if it's Man New they could probably do him for hundred and twenty. <laughs> <laughs> Solskjaer just absolutely desperate. You Please just, take my money. say anything, if you? How much Five hundred as a starting point. Just, but that's more than any footballer ever. Yeah. Yeah. If
3: Ollie, have you have you heard Alex Ferguson really rates him? Oh God! Right, okay, we'll have to do this. <laughs> but yeah, they were uh, calling him Sideshow Bob, weren't they? That young sixteen-year-old lad, and um, they scored after we failed to defend a corner. Oh, I think oh, that's a little <laughs> bit unfair. It was a very good cross and a very good header. It it wasn't quite. Um... And they're only children. They're only tiny, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> the little nippers, three four feet
1: tall maximum.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it was a it was a very. A good performance, I think, because as we've said, that is the difference. I don't think any of our we our youth players that we sign are people like McCarran and McKinstry who who are getting yeah, from Carlisle from for Carlisle. a couple hundred grand or whatever. We're not going into Europe and dropping five million quid on people. So to to get put a decent shift in against this lot, and they're, they're used to playing at a higher level as well because the way youth football is is structured, you play against harder opponents every week if you're in the Man United youth team. So. Yeah it's a much. It's a big step up for, for our boys
3: it's one of the aims for um, Leeds this summer is even before moving to Matthew Murray with the new training pitch that they, they want to build in a few years it's, they were saying they want to try and get it to a, a tier one academy this summer <laughs> so that next season we're playing against teams like Scum on the regular in the league and higher level to so we can attract better players and also play against better players and all around just be, be better, although I don't know how you can get any better than Jamie Shackleton who was, uh, we should um, give him some credit for being in the away end starting chants. And the chant that he uh, was filmed choosing to start was We Are Leeds," which is pleasantly old school from uh, young Jamie. None of this, uh, this modern, all leads aren't we, Pah, meaninglessness. We Are Leads, that's a song with bite and meaning.
0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: Somebody was in touch suggesting that we should can the booze baton until such time as we win another game. No, onward. We're we're all in on this now. Uh, The location of the end of season promotion party being tracked by our mate Garden, who goes by the handle of Eden J. Harris on Twitter. Started in Leeds at the start of the season. Our promotion, party destination, and the first team to beat us was Stoke, so they took it. Then it goes from team to team and so on and so forth like that. But Liverpool sent the kids, speaking of the kids, sent the kids out to play against Shrewsbury. Just about scraped it, so the League One tour, that's off then, isn't it? Not it's
2: doing a shame. That. I was kind of looking forward to some of the, the crap sounds of Britain. being a night, on the... A night out in Dagenham or something. But Madrid, still possible. Because they go there, they, they play Norwich on the weekend at Liverpool and they'll beat them. Yeah. So then they go to Madrid... And I'm, I'm even then looking ahead at Madrid's fixtures, going, oh, if they win it, then they play Villarreal in the week, and they could lose there. Mm-hmm. Looking, where, I'm looking at like maps to see where Villarreal is and stuff just Bil- north of Valencia. Bill for
3: a Bielsa derby.
2: It'd be amazing if we could. This is one of the why I'm,
3: I'm relaxed about promotion because we still get the uh, the party at the end of the season, don't we?
1: So we do this show in the first half of the week, then we sit down with Phil Hay in the second half of the week and then try and make sense of it all. And we behave a lot more like grown-ups and there are far less
3: bleeps. You can tell it's serious when you're sitting down with somebody. It's like the headmaster, isn't it?
1: (laughs) And if you haven't listened to it yet, look out for the Phil Hay Show in your podcast app. The Athletic, also the home of Phil's writing, and it's a place where Phil explores rich stories around Leeds United with a depth that you you don't get anywhere else. So there's no ads, no pop-ups, no clickbait. Check out this week as well, the Deep Dive on Psychology, Ellen Road, all the stuff that we were just talking about before. Uh, the amount of time that, you'll like this, Michael, the amount of time that leads have spent in the top two and may not be there by the end of the by the the end of the day. Um, this is one I'm looking forward to reading as well. A long read on the redevelopment plans for Ellen Road so we can find out maybe a little bit more about what's likely to happen when we go up and they choose to redevelop Ellen Road. I, I want to know what this
3: West Stand's going to look like. Will it have the fabled cheese room that Tottenham decided not to put in? Mm. This is it. Everybody wants a cheese room, don't we? If we do, suddenly, I am now tense for promotion because we don't go up and we don't have a cheese room. I'm just going to stop going to games. So if you want to look beyond the boundaries of
1: Leeds United, there's Premier League coverage on The uh, the Athletic as well. Sport from around the world and every bit of writing, audio and video is included. Ad-free in your subscription. Get a free trial and 50% off your sub at theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball. It's theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball. On to tonight then,
2: Brentford away. Three easy points. Do you know what? We're going to win this. Yep. The last time we won at Brentford, we only got two points. Which I think is a just goes to show how sneaky they are.
1: Corrupt football league
2: again. <laughs> yeah, they didn't even want to give us the full credit for it then, just because <laughs> it was the 50s and that's what you got.
1: This one is just it's set up with us now being Zen. Obviously, Michael, will, we'll have you Zen by the end of this podcast. With yeah. us being Zen now, Moscow. Hmm and Thomas Frank, he's almost veering... losing it. He's veering towards Billy Davis' job done territory with Mm -hmm. some of the stuff he's been saying. Not intended that way, I'm sure,
3: but that's still how it's come across. Everyone knows how much I respect Marcelo Bielsa and what he's done to build up Leeds as a club and as a team, but they couldn't pick a worse place to play Tuesday night. I'm 100% sure that they fear us going into this game. It's not to say that we're just going to win it, but I promise you one thing, we will be absolutely at it. And ready to attack. Griffin Park is our fortress under the lights with the fans behind us. It's going to be a fantastic atmosphere.
1: That is just set up for us on such a terrible run of form. Don't win in London. Him saying that it's all got
3: to change sometime, hasn't it? So why not tonight,
2: Michael? Why not? Why tonight? not tonight? I was wondering—is it because how you've got I, was, I was wondering how I was going to come to, to this optimism? Um, and I'm not quite sure. Uh, Twenty pounds is what I've done. <laughs> what I've gone for in the end. Just reinvesting winnings from, from Saturday. I don't know. We might win. You never know. You have to win at some point, don't you? They call
3: their um, their strike force, who they got up front, I can't remember their names. Watkins. Yeah, and um, oh, there's three of them. They call them the BMW. And once you're into that kind of territory, you know your shit. BMW, blah, blah, blah.
1: It does have to turn around at some point. You're right. And why not tonight? Why not? Because we're good. We are good. Despite
3: everything, we are a good Team. And don't forget, they have Pontus Janssen in their defence, who uh, coming he, back from injury, isn't he? Possibly yeah. not
2: fit, but. But,
3: but but that that is the um, the open question because it's a big game for him, and I think he's he's tried to play a little bit of psychology in the build up to this um, again about burnout when he was saying. Um, It was maybe not so much this time of year. Last season, I think this time of year, I was flying, playing really good. But around March and the beginning of April, especially after the international break, I felt really tired. Uh, Maybe I was not sleeping as well. Maybe it's because I became a father. But towards the end of last season, I felt more mentally tired than physically tired. Maybe it's a common thing, and this year it's happening the same as last year for them. But it's, it's difficult to say. And I think for a player outside the club to be like, Oh yeah, yeah, I did actually feel very tired at the end of at the end of last season and I'm sure they'll be they'll be fine. Fuck off, Pontus. But yeah. we know about him. He knows what he's doing there, don't he? We know about him in big games and when things are going badly that that's not his uh that's not his forte as it turned out over the years. The derby playoff semi-final when he was a substitute is probably exactly where he he belonged for that kind of game because I'm not sure his temperament over the years has been to kind of disappear on tough nights. So, this feels like the kind of match. You no, know, there's a lot of fear about how it'll just be simple. They'll put a corner into the box and he'll head it past Kiko. No, I think they'll put a corner into the box. And if he's even on the pitch, if Evie, he, if he's not like, oh no, my hamstrings, I don't want to play against Leeds if I'm not in perfect condition, I think he's more likely to a, a Preston where nobody can work out where the head injury is coming from, but he's lying on the floor going. Yeah, couldn't quite quite get to that one. Why didn't you head it in there? You actually do wonder if maybe he might stitch himself up a little bit and say that he's fitter than he is because he wants to play. It's the other thing as well. Mm. So all the pressure tonight, there's no pressure on Leeds, all the pressure is on Pontus Janssen to prove that he was ever good enough to play for Leeds United. Um, And I think we'll know at uh, half-past nine tonight that um, that because Pat Bamford, of all people, has scored a hat-trick past him, that he was not. The one thing
1: that we do look to optimistically maybe tonight is that they will attack us which should give us a bit of
3: space to play that's it the BMW has got to they've got to put the key in the ignition they've got to rev that engine they've got to flash the headlights they've got to do all that kind of stuff it's probably got one of those trays underneath with blue LED lights they can't <laughs> afford to just take that cruising slowly around the corner can they? they have to absolutely bomb it down a high street at 50 miles an hour and crash into a bollard.
2: I like how you've made it a really chavvy BMW.
3: Of course it is. Brentford. I don't know what Brentford's like. Nice pubs, aren't they? But they're leaving anyway. Griffin Park is our fortress and we will never play there again after this season. Mm. Fuck us. Their new ground is surprisingly tiny as well compared to even to Griffin Park, which ain't big. It's not much bigger. It's all bigger. about expectations, isn't it? They expect to be shit.
1: Because
3: mm. they often are, and they will be tonight. Dreadful so, team, to <laughs> bottom. So what are you going it's for just tonight? Just a bunch of players that they've signed off Football Manager. What are you going for tonight, Michael? I think we'll lose. Mos- <laughs> Moscow? 4-0 win, Bamford hat-trick. Um, he'll go off for the applause. Augustine will come on on and uh, and get his first goal for Leeds to crown a 4-0 win. More realistic prediction? Maybe not 4-0, but I think we'll win. I do too. I think there'll be the return of Calvin, Ben White back in defence. That's like having two really good players back in the team. And I think it remains to be seen what will happen with then. Is it Ailing or Dallas stays in the team? Like who else plays around? Shackleton is in the mix. We know that there's a question about the goalkeeper and we know Bielsa did say at the weekend, at least, you know, he's going to review mistakes and uh, he has to make decisions and... It's not unheard of for him to, you know, we talked about it at the weekend that he took Bailey, he was going to take Bailey Peacock-Farrell out. And in the end, he did take Bailey Peacock-Farrell out because he bought Kiko kasia So we changed the goalkeeper last season when it wasn't working for the goalkeeper we had. And the the, the mistake kasia made against Forrest was so witlessly shit that it's kind of, you can't look at that goalkeeper without at least going to him the next day and say, look, are you sure? You need to just like, even for your own good
2: that, that will be right my team. my one sort of optimism pre-game will come if the team has got two or three changes in it and I can think, okay, well, maybe something different will happen. Because yeah. it feels like we've been doing the same thing with the same results for a while now. But
3: Calvin back is that big thing because it's so vital that the passes from there and the tackles from there are good. And he's a Premier League quality player at it. And that's what we we need. And also just... Because there's not a lot of time for training between Saturday tea time and and Tuesday kickoff, but there is a lot of time for the players to kind of sit around and go, "Should we just stop being shit? Should we? Should we?" The Saturday was rubbish. Between me and you, mate, I hope that's what they do. Yeah, and Luke Ayling saying, "Look, I had to go on fucking LUTV looking like an absolute sap," and that's all. That's everybody in this room's fault. So can we can we have me back on LUTV on Tuesday night, laughing my little head off, please? And uh, mm-hmm. you know, shaking my hair down to my shoulders, carefree <laughs> because I've I've washed that girl out of my hair, <laughs> and uh, I am happy again. We will revisit this one later on
1: today, then, on the match ball after the game, and see how wrong one of us, <laughs> at least,
2: uh, at least, was. Is I don't get to have any satisfaction if if you if. If we win, two will come and going, Ah, you, you bloody nay say. I told you. If we, no, if no, 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 I, you're,
1: no, you're, no, no, you're wrong. Your, your, your doubts and fears, completely fair, completely fair. Also, what odds have you got on that twenty quid?
2: We were actually not favourites for it. It was about, it was about. Eight, I'm on decimal. Odds, it was like two point eight to one. or right, something. Right. So if
3: you, if, if Leeds lose tonight and we come in we'll be robbing you. So you're right, it is is no no win.
1: I understand completely your doubts and fears, but I've had enough of of feeling sad and anxious about Leeds, so I'm choosing not to, because I can't affect the outcome. You're going with hopeless optimism. Correct. Have you considered religion? Uh, This is it, I think. This is it, yeah. Uh, And then on to the weekend, and we will have, well, we'll, a unique site at Ellen Road. You'll have Marcelo Bielsa sat on his bucket in the technical area uh, patrolling the lines and then you'll
2: have Lee Johnson stood on a bucket just so he can see out of the dugout I was going to say I thought you were going to go with sat on his bucket still towering over <laughs> Lee Johnson yeah, and that as well he, he does just, seem to be getting
3: shorter doesn't he he is it's, yeah. maybe there's a Benjamin Button thing going on he's just shrinking he's regressing he gets, uh, uh, gets
2: I think the angrier. angrier he gets the smaller he becomes and he picks fights maybe he's just picking fights with bigger men as time goes on and he feels more more need to prove himself. Well,
1: that's but, it, like maybe he loses kind of his life, some of his life forces built around
2: anger, and it just seeps away, and he just shrinks an inch every time he gets angry. Maybe it's because of him, but weirdly, as much as I think we will lose tonight, I'm just not that it's not a about Bristol. I kind of think we might win this.
3: Yeah, they're they're um they're like Brentford but rubbish in that they've got that atmosphere about them of them being quite clever in the transfer yeah. market, and they've you know got they very... sell players on to. to brighten those defenders and stuff and that they very high opinion of themselves yeah they make those occasional big <laughs> signings where which you're is doing, ironic Ooh. it's ironic weird, where Lee Johnson's comes. you know that they signed um, who's that defender that they signed from Middlesbrough and they spent an absolute fortune on and you think oh, you know Bristol are going for it but then you look around the rest of the team and you think oh, actually the shit
2: I think they? the reason for this actually I'm just looking at our head to head record with them we basically lost to them in September of 2016 and then we've just won more or less yeah. every game other than that.
3: And who scored.com uh, has a, a very gratifying list of their weaknesses, which are uh, keeping possession, defending counter-attacks, defending set pieces, stopping opponents from creating chances, avoiding individual errors, defending against long shots and protecting the lead. Their strengths are attacking down the wings, creating chances, finishing scoring chances and stealing the ball from the opposition. But then they can't keep the ball once they've stolen it. So, you know, you don't have one, two, three, seven weaknesses on your com report um, and then expect to beat Leeds United.
1: And there is also an argument to say, you know, we were looking at this run of fixtures and everyone was terrified about sort of Christmas and then New Year, that the really difficult extended run of fixtures comes to an end tonight. So even if it doesn't quite go to plan tonight and we only get a point instead of all three, then we're heading into a bunch of fixtures that are all eminently winnable. A
3: load of teams we can beat because we've beaten them before and we're a really good team. So it'll be all right. And Naki Wells, as long as we're not playing basketball tonight uh, on Saturday, I don't think he'll he'll be anything to worry about. If you
1: want to hear more from us and get behind us too, you might want to check out the Extra Ball podcast, that other one that we've got. Subscription podcast. This week, as we mentioned before, looking back at the time we did beat Scorm in the FA Youth Cup, nineteen ninety three, and Jamie Forrester's famous overhead kick, putting the likes of Beckham and Skulls on their arse and in the bin. And we bring you an additional podcast on top of that one as well. We are. Playing Championship Manager 0102 to right the wrongs of the Ridsdale era era really because um, things I don't know if you heard things went a little bit sour for us after about that era so we're making sure that they don't go sour again shouldn't work on a podcast but amazingly somehow does there is a prize mug up for grabs every week too you can sign up enjoy that first month for free at the squareball.net forward slash the extra ball goodies and baddies then our heroes and villains joy and despair. Let's do the Ken Bates Villainy Award, somebody who's darkened our door across the last seven days. Ken Bates, it's the custom that he gets the first nomination. What is he up for this
2: time? Well, Councilman Ken Bates, he's not done anything this week, but just because I'm keeping an eye on his Facebook page now, when we first mentioned his Facebook page, he had 132 likes. He's now at over 500. <laughs> so just goes to show what we've done for him. What's great is he's starting
1: to get a wee bit shirty about the fact he now knows that,
2: Oh, has he? I've not seen this. No,
1: he doesn't know about us, but he knows about Ken Bates, the League United one. And he's replying to people saying, Look, I'm not the chairman of League United. But people are obviously just ignoring that and saying, Yeah, but what about the cladding on the East Stand
3: and stuff like that? I don't think it's a battle he's not going to win. Just turn them all into voters, Ken.
1: So, as much as we were saying that Twitter is a, a daft, toxic platform earlier on in this podcast, big thumbs up for Facebook. i hijacking pages of.
2: Uh, uh, it's minor. You know, a, there were only 132 people ever there for the right reason. So I feel like. At least, at least these extra 300-odd people are having some fun.
3: They might be interested in his ideas. Quite possibly. I mean, don't be. He sounds like a knob, but maybe you will.
2: I mean, as we've just been talking about, a, a poisonous little midget, I think Real Ken should get a, a nomination for appointing Dennis Wise. Yeah, he was yeah, godfather to his children as well. Probably the, the angriest, smallest manager. But I think he's, he's probably Johnson's... Hero, I would say.
3: Has that anniversary come round again? Does he look uh, up Dennis Does he look, look up to him.
2: Well no <laughs> <laughs> just with the Lee Johnson thing, I was just thinking of other other angry midgets.
3: Yeah. Who else would you like to put in for villainy? Uh John Matthews. He was a referee in the scum youth cup game, which I didn't really Uh, sit and watch and enjoy the way I'd hoped to because shortly before kick-off, I realised that my boiler had packed in. So I was trying to fix a boiler while keeping half an eye eye on the game.
2: It's nice and warm at the moment, you would be all right.
3: Yes, it's now... So that was... Uh, Thursday night it's now Tuesday it's hopefully being replaced today so hopefully I'll get home and I will be able to have a wash <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that but my mood was not helped by whenever I did look at the uh, the screen to see what was happening in the, the Youth Cup match this wanker was booking another one of our players for absolutely no reason five players he booked for nothing two yellows to Henry Wender so he got sent off for nothing and it was just an absolute farce he was a 100% incompetent homer um, who I think Leeds could have won that game if we'd had a proper referee. And not only was he a terrible referee who pissed me off um, at the time, but the amount of time it took me to find out his name so that I could put him on this list. It's not easy to find out the referee. John and Matthews does match.
2: sound like a name you've made up. Yeah. To be <laughs> or, a no, brand, I,
1: or like a brand of salmon. I, I assure you like aldi's I spent, uh... Aldi's tuna.
2: You've, you've looked in your cupboard and you've gone John West, Bernard Matthews... <laughs> Let's go, John Matthews. His, his linesman, Bernard West.
1: Uh, like it. Oh, we forgot to nominate Kiko on Saturday. This was po- pointed out to us by a few people for villainy. Yeah. So our apologies for not doing that. He's in there now. Get it, your racist hands on the ball, you wanker. It went without
2: saying, I think, on, on Saturday that he was a villain. I mean, this will be divisive,
1: but do we have to put Andrea Radrazani in for his Twitter use? Yeah. Even though he said... Yeah, yeah. It's the only way he'll learn. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and to hell with the consequences. He does just need to stop. We'll probably get a tweet about this as well. Well, we've <laughs> And so it continues so the cycle will continue. Exactly. <laughs> and we are responsible for it. Right, who else? I mean, do we need to nominate Pat Well both of us, let's be fair and nominate both of our strikers. Neither of them scored. Neither of them scored. Useless. How much money are the, the between and Bamford was what? Seven. Kev's seventeen. Pathetic. Scored some goals. And what's the, how do you pronounce the name of this storm?
3: Because um, it concerns me. It's not like Ciara the singer, is it? No. Um, is it Kiara the drink? I don't know. This is going to upset somebody as well. It's a storm. Everyone gets upset at the internet
1: Storm C. Storm Curly Cur. Uh, this was uh, a nomination by MJ, who is at elland underscore toad on Twitter, who said, uh, and I quote, if that fucker had come 12 hours earlier, we'd have had the Forest game postponed and wouldn't have had our weekends ruined. That said, though, it, would, it should be noted that if we postponed the game on Saturday, then Calvin wouldn't be playing tonight for our victory at Brantford. We just need to get it over and done with that game, didn't we? So we've got Bates, Radrasani. Both Bates. Several of our players, uh, including our new multi million pound striker, mm-hmm. a storm, and a child's referee. Is the referee
2: it? wasn't a child, was he? He looked like a grown man from the from the Highlands. Didn't act like a one. Tell that to Lee Johnson. <laughs> should we nominate should we give it to John?
3: Yeah, I think um his one moment in the in the sun is the big night. And the, it gave, um, there was a whole narrative, because when I was trying to find out who he was, I ended up like browsing the Manchester Evening News and seeing all the reports on their game. They make it sound like um, the bullies from Leeds went and absolutely hacked that multi-million pound show pony child to pieces, which is not the game I watched, but because he was dishing out all those yellow cards constantly, it just gave that appearance. If you know when there's nothing in a game, but the referee makes something in a game, it was that, and then that fed into the... Uh, the reputation afterwards. It was all just. It was like dirty leads. Being... Um, yeah, and they were bleating about us bloody singing
1: songs and actually creating an atmosphere in that godforsaken place. What's wrong with them? Can't wait till we do go up and we can sort out that Premier League. Is he having it, then Matthews? Yes. Congratulations on being a knockoff tuner brand. Right. The Andy Hughes Hero Awards. Who's Who's your nom?
2: Jude Bellingham. The, he, the speaking of children. Yeah. Yes. We were watching this this game in the Birmingham game, weren't we? And it was like. Isn't I'm sure he said on the commentary, he's 16. Mm. Um, and he, he is, he is. It turns out he actually is. He's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he, yeah. But he, he did come off against Bristol and say, who the fuck are you, to Lee Johnson, which was quite yeah. pleasing. And possibly something else, but you couldn't...
3: It looked like there was a little gesture with his hand. as yeah. He was like yeah. Because he's quite tall, did, like did you.
1: R- did he ruffle his hair?
2: Not quite, but he was... Because <laughs> he's, he getting... he's towering
1: over him, isn't he? Yes, a 16-year-old
2: yeah, boy towering over him. There's something brilliant about a sixty, a, a child telling, Lee, telling <laughs> Lee Johnson to fuck off, basically. <laughs> and Lee Johnson going to find his mum and dad. <laughs> and
3: then saying, well, who the fuck are you? <laughs> Again, while looking down on him. Uh, who else? Heroes? Bielsa for staying calm. Well, all around, well, calm-ish. It is a, it's a useful time to just remember that although his... Uh, his team selections can be infuriating, and his, um, uh, you know, his uh, people call it stubbornness. But you know, as I, I wrote last week, you wouldn't call the Pope stubborn for continuing to believe in God, even <laughs> though there's so much evidence to the contrary. It's just it's it's a belief, and we do need to remember. You know, we talk about the the brilliant effect that Bielsa has had not just on the football, but on everybody as supporters, and the things we've we've learned from him and uh, his uh, his comments on them. Um, football and him saying when I I was this is an an old long old interview but um, I was happy when I enjoyed amateur football I was happy when I matured as I was in love with my job in football I have a deep love for football for the game for the corner kick for the narrow space for the long line on the pitch for the football itself but I despise everything that comes after those concepts um In order to explain this a little better, I know that joy after winning only lasts five minutes and then there is a huge void and a loneliness that is hard to describe. Never allow failure to deteriorate your self-esteem. When you win, the admiration messages you get can be confusing. Um, When you lose, the exact opposite happens.
2: Or as Flores translated it, (laughs) I like football. (laughs)
1: I want to give a nomination to Diego Flores because it feels like he needs a boost this week.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's fair enough. And the other It's not his job, is it? That's I was gonna mention he's, not a, yeah. he's that is not his job. His
3: job is to coach people. Same with Bielsa, I was gonna mention with the press conferences actually. It gets forgotten sometimes because he, he does talk so long in them. He does not like doing them. I think in his ideal world, and he has skipped a few, and especially when it is uh, this period when we play Saturday, Tuesday, and so he has to do one on Thursday and Monday, part of um, his exasperation on Monday will have been, why am I here again? Why am I talking to these people? Why can't I be out there finding out what the fuck's wrong with Keiko here Why are they asking me the same questions that they were asking me last week when we we know that they're going to ask me those questions? It's not the part of things that he he likes doing. So... Um I'm just sorry. I just remembered there was a point in that press conference yesterday
1: where you must have seen it. You know, and Flores just gave up and shrugged. Yes.
3: <laughs> I don't know. And he also was talking over him in English at one point, wasn't yeah. he? like I'm just gonna tell you what I'm saying. I was gonna tell them what I'm saying. Nomination um, as well for Salim Lamrani for his well-timed call to arms, I think. It's reminded us of a few truths. Yes, it did. Much as uh Andrea Atrizani, That's how you do it. You've got to go back 30 years get a doctorate in um, Cuban-US relations, get on the weights, beef up a bit and be a nicer person and then we'll listen to you on Twitter because i listen to everything Salim Lamarani says on Twitter.
1: Who would you like to have the her Hero Award this time? Flores.
3: Yeah, I think that's a good shout actually.
2: he's a... it's not so bad. Come on, come on, cheer up. <laughs> and he's doing well. We've all, we've all had those days at work, haven't we? Where someone's having a go at you and it's not really your fault and you're like I shouldn't really I shouldn't even be here in the first place really but I've been forced to do this bloody thing and now I'm in the shit
3: Lamorani used to make mistakes in translation he says himself and we're getting used to uh, uh, Flores' quirks now it's almost why I want to stick with him I've got used to how he translates but also when he says uh there is one attacker who can score a goal he means no we, there is an attacker and all these little there's little things where he says and um, what was it the one where he made it sound like Adam Forshaw was, uh had to retire
2: <laughs> but you, you kind of he get cannot, uh, did you say like he cannot he, get he cannot, he cannot
3: be 100% he cannot recover he cannot recover, we cannot recover to 100% fuck it it's more serious than we thought
2: so does he even know this
3: we uh, but we're getting used to all that now and I'm, I'm looking forward to him translating saying we are delighted that we have won promotion." and somebody has to say to him no mate we finished 10th
1: Phil Hayshow is out and about later on this week with mags, mugs and merchandise subscriptions to the extra ball and half season subs as well for the mag all at the squareball.net we will reconvene here in about what 9, 10 hours something like that after this game tonight and uh, and see how we're all feeling then but
3: the mood's been a little bit happier than I expected we'll be happy but poor because he'll have lost all his money on uh, on his bets.
2: I'm more than happy,
3: and Leeds United will have won, so we'll be delighted.
2: Let's
1: hope so. Fingers crossed. We'll speak to you later on today. Tara, the Square Ball Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.